Father, we give this time to you. I pray as we dig into the Bible, I pray you'd speak to us. I pray you'd reveal yourself to us. And I pray you'd encourage us and equip us for what you've got for us in Jesus' name. Amen. I was wondering why the, the football was getting bigger and bigger. And then it hit me. You ever suddenly realize something? Just like, boom, out of the blue. One of those moments where you suddenly realize something and life's never the same again. That's exactly what's happening in, in the book of Genesis where we are today. We've been working our way through Genesis for those who are visiting. We're in Genesis 17 and here's a moment where Abraham suddenly realizes something he's never realized before. Genesis 17 verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. Verse 21, Sarah will bear, you, bear to you by this time next year. So here you have Abraham, you know, 24 years in waiting for this child. You know, he was 99. When he was 75, God first promised him a kid. Can you imagine that? 75 years old. God first promised you a kid. You'd say, okay, cool. Now, now you're 99. You might say, just, just leave it now. Just leave it now. You know, he's in nappies. I'm in nappies. You know, we, we, we eat pureed food together. You know, it's really not going you, to, you, you might, you might say that, but 24 years in waiting. 24 years in waiting. And then in this moment, 24 years in waiting, and then he has this encounter with God, and then within a year, the child's born. What changed? You know, 24 years of nothing, and then in a year, boom. What changed? Okay, as, and that's, that's what we're going to answer. I think there's three things I see happened here in this interaction between God and Abraham. Um, First point I want to make is this. You've got to have a big view of God. And I think that's what changed in Abraham's mind. Have a big view of God. God reveals himself, verse 1, is, I am God Almighty. And within one year, Isaac was born. Isn't that significant? I think that's significant. Remember, <clears throat> Angie, it was when my, my little girl, Becky, was just, she was just tiny before Michael was born. She, so Becky would have been, you know, one and a half, two or something. And Angie was walking around now singing that song, Blessed be the Lord, God Almighty. Okay? And uh, Becky started joining in, but she got the words, words all jumbled up. And she said, Blessed be the Lord God, eat my tea. <laughs> but it wasn't, it was Almighty. But God revealed himself as Almighty to Abraham, and within a year, everything changed. We didn't read this, but a little bit later on, verses 18 and 19. Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing, then God said, yes, 
but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. Here's Abraham. Now, we know the Ishmael thing. For those who are visiting, uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at how Abraham had, had this promise. He was waiting for God to fulfill this promise. No kids are coming. So him and Sarah's wife hatched this plan that Abraham would sleep with Hagar, who was an Egyptian slave in the house. And she would have a child, and that Sarah, like a surrogate mother, and Sarah would take this child on as her own, and Ishmael was born. It was a terrible mistake, right? Abraham was basically playing God. He was trying to make it happen his way. And here's Abraham again, after God's appeared to him, he's again saying, God, could we not just do it that you bless Ishmael? And the truth is this, if you have a small view of God, your vision will be limited to what you can do in your own strength. But when you have a big view of God, it takes the limitation of your ability to dream. Like, it's like the guy who was fishing, and um, there was someone watching him, and he was catching all these fish. And he, every time he caught a big fish, he put the fish back. And every time he caught a small fish, he killed the small fish. And the guy's standing watching him from the bank, thinking, this is not how you do it. And he said to him, you're doing it wrong, mate. You meant to keep the big fish and throw the small fish back. He said, no, no, you don't understand. My frying pan is only 10 inches big. <laughs> and, and the truth is that if you have a, a very limited view of God, then you will be completely crippled in your ability to dream God-sized dreams. You will have very limited dreams. Big view of God, God-sized vision. It's like the famous golfer who was asked by the Saudi Arabian king to come and spend some time in Saudi Arabia teaching him golf. So he flew him across in his private jet, and they spent many days playing golf, and they had a great time. And at the end of that time, uh, the, the Saudi Arabian king said to the, the professional golfer, thank you so much. What can I give you as a gift for, for helping me? And he said, no, listen, I've just had a great time. You don't need to give me anything. And the Saudi Arabian king said, I insist. I want to give you a gift. And he said, well, okay, I, I collect golf clubs, so yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And the Saudi Arabian king said, no problem. So he flew back and, you know, days turned into weeks and he was expecting at any moment a kind of golf club shape uh, parcel coming through the post. But, you know, after a few weeks, a, a letter came through with the official seal of the Saudi Arabian king. And he opened it up and inside it was the title deed for a 500-acre golf club in America. <laughs> you see... It's all to do with who you're asking. It's all to do with the perspective you have. And when we're talking about an unlimited God, you have to understand that you should change your ability to dream because God can birth and dream greater dreams than you could achieve in your own strength. And that's what Abraham figured in this moment. God Almighty translates in the Hebrew language as El Shaddai. Say El Shaddai. El, Shaddai. El meaning God and Shaddai meaning Almighty. So let's start with El. El. Let me tell you about El. El is introduced to us at the beginning of the Bible, chapter 1, verse 1, Genesis 1, 1. It says, in the beginning, God, El, God created the heavens and the earth. It speaks about that moment in, Gen in Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that were visible. How did God make everything? What were the ingredients? The ingredients God used to make everything was nothing. God made everything out of nothing. Now, if El, God, 
is able to create everything out of nothing, do you not figure he can enable a 99-year-old guy and a barren old wife who've had a pretty rough journey and who've made some major mistakes in their life? Do you not reckon he can enable them to have a kid? If a God who can create everything out of nothing, do you not reckon a God who can create everything out of nothing is completely able to fulfill his purpose in your life? You not reckon? I reckon. This is El, this is God. But he's not just God, he's God Almighty. Now, the word Almighty is the Hebrew word Shaddai, and it's got a couple of meanings behind the scenes, quite pictures, pictorial meanings. The first meaning is mountainous. It's, it's the picture of a mountain. It's this om, omnipotent, all-powerful, dominant, huge thing. That's, that's the picture that almighty, that the Hebrew word is linked to that picture of mountain. The second picture is, is a woman's breast. And the idea there is sufficient. It's, it's the sh- shaddai. Uh, is the word shad, which in the Hebrew language is often used as a nursing mother's breast, where a child who is totally dependent is finding nourishment. So Shaddai translates all-sufficient one. It's interesting. I went for the mountain image for the PowerPoint. Yeah. I just, you had a choice. You you could have done both, but anyway. Um... I went for the mountain image. So mountain represents he's omnipotent, all-powerful. Shaddai also represents, like a nursing mother, to that child, all-sufficient one. He is all-powerful, all-sufficient God. R.C. Sproul describes God Almighty in these ways. He says, when God revealed himself by the name to the patriarchs in Genesis by the name of Almighty. He focused on his power, revealing himself as the God who makes and keeps his promises. It was the name that demanded faith in what was coming, but not yet. The God behind the promise was sufficient for now, even if the fulfillment of the promise could not be seen. God makes promises and God is mighty to perform them. God is strong enough to accomplish everything he said he will do. He has the power to fulfill every promise he has made to his people. God Almighty. My friend Gavin, who I went, actually went to Destiny College with Gavin, he, he's a lawyer and he took a year out to do Destiny College uh, from Spain. And Gavin, he told me about his journey coming to faith. And he said that in his, before he became a believer, he was a spiritualist. He was involved in very occultic practices, you know, contacting the dead and so on, which is actually utterly demonic. It, it isn't the dead you're talking to. It's, it, it's, under the, it's demonic under the guise of that. Okay, it's dangerous. And he, was, and he also saw various levels of healing happen as a spiritualist. He saw some stuff, right? He wasn't powerless. But then a point came in his life where he became an authentic believer in Jesus, and his life was turned around And he told me that, Peter, you know, I was in church one Sunday in Spain. And during that service, a guy who'd been a member of the church for a long long time, he died in the service. He had a heart attack and died. He died as he was sitting there. Please don't do that to me. Do you mind? Don't do that. 
but that happened to him. He died, and his lips turned blue. His pulse had stopped. You know, he was dead. And they carried him through to a back room and called for an ambulance to come. As they were waiting for the ambulance to come, Gavin and one of the other guys in the church sat beside this dead guy and just prayed. And he awoke. He revived. Having had his lips turned blue and pulse stopped, he revived. Anyway, the ambulance came and took him away. And uh, they heard back. The guy was back in the church and everything. And this, this is how it went. The story was that for, for about a decade, this guy had had a serious heart condition. And so she, not only did he revive, but there was no, the, when they did all the tests him in the hospital, there was no trace of any condition in his heart. There, was, there was not, wasn't any trace of any heart condition, which he'd had for years. So God raised the dead and removed the disease. So Gavin said, Peter, I'd seen power before. But this was God, like I'd never seen. This was the true God. Demons have power. False gods, demons, have power. The true God is almighty. And that just lifts the limits. You see, isn't it significant that the first recorded miracle in the Bible, Isaac being born to Sarah, comes in the back of the revelation that God isn't just God, he's God Almighty, El Shaddai. Jesus describes him so well in Matthew 19, 26. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Read that verse with me. One, two, three. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Job says in Job 11, verse 7, can you discover the limits of the Almighty? You see, we're limited, but God is unlimited. And when our lives connect with Him, it lifts the ceiling off our lives. Our lives become unlimited as we connect with Him. So what you have in the Bible is you have a Abraham having a child as a 99-year-old. You have a Moses opening a Red Sea. You have a David slaying a Goliath. You have Peter walking on water. That's what you got. You got so-and-so who gets a job. You get such-and-such who's appealing for the immigration status, and it's been, they've been battling this for years, and it came through for you. You get another in the church who's been believing for a child, and then God provided. You got that cancer situation, but that tumor disappeared. You got all these things turning around because when we, as limited people, connect with God with whom all things are possible, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible, it lifts the limits on our life and it enables the impossible to become possible so the church can grow by hundreds, thousands, so that this church can influence the city and Actually, we can change things regarding poverty in this city. We can see it transformed. Properties can be acquired and come our way in a way that wouldn't happen in the natural sequence of things because he's the Almighty. You see, he's not limited by your age. We see that in Abraham and Sarah. He's not limited by your backgrounds. I mean, Abraham came from a pagan worshipping family. 
He's not limited by your past. <laughs> Seriously, look at the mistakes that Abraham made. He's not limited by your fruitfulness or fruitlessness. Sarah was barren. He's not limited by anything in your life, good or bad. All he's looking for is your faith. All he's looking for is you to say, okay, I trust you, Almighty. He says in verse 6, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. When I think that, maybe some of you think the same. I, I think of the ultimate king who came from Abraham. We know Abraham historically. I mean, Abraham was right there in a moment in time. But we look back in history and say, wow, kings did come from Abraham. We see he had sons and they had sons. And there was a, one of his great, great, great grandsons was Judah. And Judah had a line of kings starting with David and then Solomon and then right down through. We saw all these great kings who ruled on the earth who were in the family line of Abraham. God fulfilled his promise. But you know what's significant is there was an ultimate king who came. In fact, at the very end of Genesis, it predicted his coming. Genesis 49, it says in, it says in verse 10, the scepter, it's referring to a king's scepter, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruling staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one who all nations will honor. In other words, there will be kings in your family line, Abraham, but there'll be an ultimate king. Eventually, an ultimate king will come. Who was this king? Well, it speaks about him in so many places in the Bible. I've just, for time's sake, just Revelation 1 verse 8, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 22 makes it very clear that Jesus, when it speaks about Alpha and Omega, it's talking about Jesus. Who is Jesus? I know he's a man. I know he was born to a virgin. I know he grew up in Nazareth. I know he was a carpenter. But I also know he's the Almighty. He's the Alpha and the Omega. You see, the Almighty became weak. The Almighty became frail for you. The God who the universe cannot even contain took on flesh, was born to a mother, and he depended on her ability to supply his needs. He became dependent and he grew up in a human environment and he was fully human in every way except also was fully God. And at the end of his life on a cross, he died and shed blood, divine blood, God's blood was shed to redeem and ransom human beings. You have to understand, see when God says all things are possible, it's not just because he snaps his finger and makes it possible. Sometimes making all things possible costs it's just that God took the cost for this thing. So all of a sudden, not only can a barren woman have a kids, but all of a sudden, sinners can enter heaven. You understand the impossibility of that? All of a sudden, hell-bound sinners become heaven-bound saints because of the cross and the resurrection. All of a sudden, what was impossible that we could know God it was impossible because of our sin. God himself in the flesh, Jesus Christ, paid the price for our sin, making the impossible possible so that you and I can have a relationship with him. He's the ultimate king. He's the almighty. So point number one is this. Everything changed for Abraham when he realized something about God. He, he had a big view of God. You are the almighty. 
And same with you and same with us, same with us as a church, our view of God, have a big view of God. Point number two is this, have a small view of you. That's not what they tell you in society, right? They, say, they tell you have a small view of God, or they don't tell you that, but that's the inference, okay? They use them as a curse word, okay? Have a small view of God and have a big view of you, who oh, you, right? You look at yourself in the mirror and tell, you're, tell yourself you're awesome, right? That kind of stuff. I think you are awesome, but you're also dweebs. You know that. You really know that. So don't have a big view of you. Have a big view of God and have a small view of you. And I don't mean that in a, some false humility sense, but I mean it in a real way. Verse 5 says, No longer will you be called Abram, A-B-R-A-M. Your name will be Abraham, A-B-R-A-H-A-M. For I have made you a father of many nations. Abram, A-B-R-A-M, means exalted father in the Hebrew language. Abraham, A-B-R-A-H-A-M, means father of a multitude. So God changed his name to signify the reality. In fact, you know, it says, for I have made you. See, God speaks in past tense. For I have made you father of a multitude. God speaks about things that are not as if, as if they are. That's how God does things. You see, Abraham, A-B-R-A-M, was the name given by man. A pagan father, in fact. Abraham was the name given by God, the heavenly father. Abraham glorified man. It meant exalted father. Abraham glorified God because it speaks of a promise that can only be fulfilled by a sovereign, holy, almighty God. In fact, many commentators have said that the inserted letter H in the name Abraham, Ham, is clear reference to and representative of Yahweh. The H, Abraham, is a clear representation of Yahweh, the true God. It's a name that glorifies God rather than a name that glorifies man. For Abraham was all about human effort. You see, he could achieve an exalted father in his own strength, and he tried. He had Ishmael. But Abraham was a name which glorified God, and it wasn't, could not be achieved by human effort, but it could only be achieved because of the scale of it by God. It represented a destiny so big that only God could achieve it. It means father of a multitude. You see, Abraham went to Abraham. He went from playing God to to depending on God. And that's the realm of where miracles start to happen. You see, some folks, some of you, have a very low view of God and a very high view of yourself. So you spend a lot of time doing things and a little time praying. You see, if you're all confident in you, then you'll just go on and do it. And I don't mean you shouldn't have confidence in your abilities. Of course, you could. they're God-given. Having confidence in your abilities isn't at odds with having confidence in the God who gave you those abilities. Sure. I'm just saying, don't be so overly confident in you that you spend all your time do-do-doing like a proactive so-and-so 
Whereas actually God wants you to spend a lot more time praying and seeing God doing things in and through you. Abraham went from being a small-minded man who was man-centered to becoming a big-thinking man who was God-centered. And you see what God did? God didn't just uh, got Abraham, the father of multitude, to believe for a small answer, a child. He got him to believe for a multitude. You notice that? He wasn't here trying to get Abraham just to believe for a kid. The very fact he changed his name to being father of a multitude meant he wanted Abraham to now believe for a multitude. In other words, get past the first step and believe for where this thing ends up going. And I think that's kind of where we've got to be at. My mum, 38 years ago, had me. Now, when she had me, when she was pregnant, and she, 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 she decided if it's a boy, he'd be called Peter, because she knew about Peter in the Bible, and she wanted me to be a rock, someone who was about God, and someone who would make a difference in the church. So, so she wasn't just thinking, oh, thank God for the baby. She was thinking, thank God for the destiny of the baby. Okay, so you've got to also think the same. We've got to get past more than a child, but think of a destiny and world transformation. More than just getting a job. Don't just think, oh, thank God for the job. More than just getting a job, think a place of influence. I'm going to be resourced so I can be a giver. I said, get beyond the first step. Think, don't just think successful church. Think, wow, a successful church that births multitudes of campuses in a city and start taking on some of the real issues in the city and then plants churches around the world and actually leaves a city and the world a different place at the end of the generation. So see past the step one. See past the, oh, that one life of that person would come to faith. See past that. See, think, that person comes to faith. And their family then hear about Jesus and come to faith. And before they realize it, they're influencing their community. Understand that the healing, wow, thank God for the healing. But see past it and think, wow, there'll be a testimony. And through that testimony, many will be healed. God wasn't just saying, Abraham, can I get you to believe for Isaac? He was saying, can you now believe that you'll become a father of a multitude? You see, God's destiny never stops with you. If it does, it's not God's destiny. Because God's destiny goes through you and beyond. Because you are blessed to be a... You're blessed to be a... I'm not going to stop until you all say it unanimously, out loud, with passion. You're blessed to be a... That's your commissioning from God. And the final thing I see happens in Abraham's life is this. So first of all, he got a big view of God. Secondly, he got a a small view of himself. And then thirdly, he learned to live by God's word. Abraham's confession changed. You see, from the point, that point forward, whenever someone said to him, what's your name? He said, I am Abraham. It was like him saying, I am a father of a multitude. See? (laughs) All right. Trust me, it will happen. 
But every time he said, my name is Abraham, every day he was saying, I am a father of a multitude. His wife said, honey, your tea's ready. She'd say, father of multitudes. Or, father of multitude, what time do you call it? <laughs> so every day, every day, the confession was there. This is what, every day, his, his mouth was saying what God's mouth had said. Yeah? And do you realize that when your mouth starts saying what God's mouth has said, that's an important dynamic. God creates everything from nothing by speaking. God's also given us the ability to be creative in our words. But more than that, God's words are creative. So let God's creative words be in your mouth and let them bring life where there was death and bring hope where there was darkness. Abraham's confession changed. I love what it said in Romans 4, verse 17 and 18. It is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of God and whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. God calls them into existence. So stop talking about the, the challenges and stop being predictive. You know, faith is voice activated. You know, stop talking into being things that are just not the will of God. Oh, this has always been this way, always will be this way. Well, who says? That's what you're saying. And you're giving credibility and power. See, when, when, you, when you speak the lie, you, you empower the liar. So stop empowering the liar, the father of lies who wants to keep you down and ruin your life and ruin this city around us. God is a God who speaks life and brings blessing. And the more we can agree with what God says with our, what we say, then great things happen. And then Abraham lined his life up, not just his words, but his life up with God's word. God, the first thing he said is, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Walk before me faithfully, Abraham, and be blameless. This ended 13 years of silence. For 13 years has been silence. Since Ishmael, there's no record in the Bible that God said anything else. Oh, oops. Right, Abraham had made a big mistake. In silence. That's the worst, isn't it? Husbands, that's the worst. <laughs> Give me an amen, guys. Silence. In fact, don't, because you won't hear anything all day. <laughs> okay, so just agree with me silently. Silence, just the silence from heaven. And then after 30 years, come on, Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. Stop playing God. Stop trying to work this thing out your way. Just live my way. Let me also make a point to you. We looked at this a number of weeks ago because it was a number of chapters ago. God declared Abraham righteous by faith. He's, now te- he's not saying, walk before me and be blameless so that you can become righteous. He's not saying that. So that you can earn something from me. He's not saying that. God's already declared him righteous. Just like a judge, boom. Just like he would say, not guilty or guilty. The declaration was already made over your life if you're a believer in Jesus and over Abraham's life because he was a believer in Jesus. Righteous. So when he's, God says, walk before me and be blameless, he's not saying, so you can earn anything. No way. He's just saying, listen, I, I really have the best for you. And the more you can align your words and align your life up with the truth of God, then you can be assured that destiny will start to flow in your life and the impossible will start to become possible and things that you never believed were, it could happen will start happening. And not just step ones, but where that all leads to. And those purposes that I've intended since the beginning of time for your life will come about. 
And you know, so God, God did all this, and within a year, Isaac was born. You know what Isaac means in Hebrew? It means laughter. <laughs> How cool is that? It's funny, eh? Laughter. And I, don't, I don't think it was laughter in a kind of mocking way. I think it was laughter in the sense of, <laughs> no way. 99-year-old guy and a 75-year-old wife, or sometimes it was a 100-year-old guy and a 90-year-old wife had a kid. That is funny, right? That is funny. I think it's funny when God does, when God achieves a great purpose, we just laugh. We think, that's amazing. That's so hysterical. That's, is if God ever answered one of your prayers and at the end of it, you're thinking, that's fantastic, Lord. You ever done that? He answers your prayer. You think, that's so funny. That's great. Remember, we had a prophecy at the beginning when we started this church. Um, and it was me and Ange, and there was a few of us. And, the, and it was a prophecy that came in the form of a picture. And it was a picture of a huge big heavy ball and there was just a couple of us pushing it was hard going we're pushing this ball and then after a while a couple of other folks came alongside us and a few more of us were now pushing and it was starting to move a bit it's still hard going and then a few more came alongside and they all started so now we had a bit of pace to it and it's starting to move a bit easier and then a whole more more people came alongside and we're all pushing and before we knew it this this ball had started rolling and started rolling so fast this is what the picture, it was in the picture. And it started rolling so fast that we were now laughing, trying to keep up with this ball. <laughs> because that thing that we had found so hard to get moving in the first place was now get going by itself, and we were, we were the ones trying to keep up with it. And that was funny. So I have this sense that, you know, God is, God's going to do some really great things. And you're going to be looking on and saying, look what the Lord did. As we prayed, God did great things. So here's what we're going to do. First of all, I'm going to give an opportunity to you today if you don't know Jesus, the one who died on the cross and rose again, the Almighty. Is he your God? Now listen, please, this is the most important thing. If you don't know him, only do this if you're serious. If you don't know him and you're ready, then in this moment, I want you to give your life to him. Okay, that's the first thing we're going to do. And then after that, the band's going to come up and, it, and we're just going to take a moment to focus on this revelation that he is almighty. And we're going to worship for a moment. But then what we're going to do is we're going to get into groups, okay? And we're going to spend maybe 15 minutes in groups and we're going to take time to pray for the things we've been praying about as a church. We're going to pray for different things. We'll, we'll come to that in a moment. We've got a slide that will show the different things we're going to pray for. So let's start, let's pray. So Father, thank you so much for your great love. Thank you, God, for the, the precious people who are here today. God, you know every single one, God. Some don't know you yet. Many know you. I pray, God, that we will all understand that you are God Almighty and that, that revelation will change our lives more than anything else. Father God, I pray for anyone today who doesn't yet know you. I pray, God, that they will come into a real living relationship with you. Okay, this is your moment now. If you don't know God, this is your opportunity. This is much more than, this is not about becoming a member of this church, although you'd be so welcome. This is about you and God. 
if at the end of this you never came back to this church and joined another church, I'll be thrilled. I'd even be more thrilled if you joined this church. But my agenda in this moment is very simply this. I know if you know God, I will be with you in eternity. If you do not know God, I will never see you in eternity. You only have eternal life when you connect with the eternal God. It's not just him being there or you knowing he's there. That doesn't make the difference. Is he your God? Have you given your life to him? So that, if that's you today and you're saying, Peter, I want God in my life. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again. <coughs> then I want to give you this opportunity to pray and respond to him. Just If that's you, pray this prayer very simply under your breath. Pray with me. Dear Lord God, thank you so much for your love for me. Jesus, thank you. You were willing to die for me on the cross. Rise again on the third day so that I could be forgiven and made right with God. So today, I believe you. I totally believe you. And I place my life in your hands. I commit myself to being a follower of yours, Jesus. Jesus, be Lord of my life. God, be God Almighty in my life from now on. <clears throat> 